And what I hear in that is like a certain level of frustration that sort of suggests that they'd like something to be different, but they just don't know what to do about it. Hello, welcome to Hi Mom, Let's Talk. This is our mom and daughter podcast. I'm Ingrid, I'm the daughter, I live in New York. And I'm Vicky, the mom, I live in Los Angeles. We're figuring out life from opposite coasts. Doing our best to cultivate a raw and transparent relationship that is also generous and safe. So mom, let's talk. Hi, Mom. Hello, Ingrid. Let's talk about creativity one last time with John Cleese's book. Yay. It's fun to have a catalyst to talk about things and think about things. It is. And I've really appreciated just even using his first quote in the book, Mm -hmm. at least I think almost every episode of this series, Mm -hmm. to talk about creativity and sort of became the whole lens through which we looked at creativity in the world. Of course, it's easiest to say creativity in art projects, but the idea that creativity in general just is about how to look through the world and look at the world differently than your usual pattern seems to have been really helpful for us. We talked about communication. We talked about parenting. We talked to Audrey, which was super awesome. I've I've like integrated a lot of her ideas about the way that there's courage in creativity into my mm. everyday life already. Yeah, I think it's really helpful to think that because sometimes we live ordinary lives. And in fact, last week, my spiritual director just reminded me of Middlemarch by George Eliot that has kind of an ordinary person in it. And she talked about one of the ordinary characters in there living an ordinary life and it making an impact on other people. So I know as a mom that has lived a relatively ordinary life, it is nice to have people notice little elements of creativity in my life. It's nice to be noticed in that regard. And it's nice to kind of notice it in myself and feel glad about, hey, that was creative the way I made your sandwich today. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Or creative is such a positive word. Mm -hmm. I think like it has a lot of good connotations in the world. Mm -hmm. And so I've really appreciated this sort of reframe that we've begun about finding things that are challenging and and, uh, considering them opportunities for creativity instead of considering them roadblocks. Yeah, I love that too. I'm actually going to use that with my clients because I do have some clients that tend to have fixed mindsets and they, you know, they get frustrated uh, about things. So, but switching and noticing creativity in them is very motivating to them. Exactly. Yeah. So we used John Cleese's book at the beginning and now we're going to bookend it. Mm-hmm. Oh, unintended. <laughs> <laughs> By flipping through his book called Creativity, A Short and Cheerful Guide mm-hmm. and just just like pull out some of the places that really stuck with us and reference our, our other conversations through them. Mm-hmm. I found one right near the beginning to start us off, page six. So this whole book is a very helpful short and cheerful guide big print and like bolded <laughs> sentences here and there. Mm-hmm. But I sort of tried to make a, a point, at least for portions of the book, to find like non-bolded sections that stood out to me mm. just so that I wasn't quite so spoon fed. Although I think the joy of this kind of a book is that you're spoon fed. <laughs> <laughs> On page six, he says, you can teach creativity or perhaps I should say more accurately, you can teach people how 
to create circumstances in which they will become creative. Yeah. And I wrote a little note that says, when someone cannot think creatively, reassess the environment physically and emotionally. Ooh, that's powerful. Did you actually write in your book? Yes. Oh, I love writing in books. Okay. So here's my fun story. I found a copy of a book that you read that I read with a friend of mine. A friend of mine do a book club often and we chose The Gifts of Imperfection with by Brene Brown, which was one of her earlier books. It's like 11 years old now and uh, maybe 12 years old. And you read it at the beginning and you annotated it thoroughly. <laughs> I loved reading your comments and annotations and saying, oh, look at what stood out to you at the time. And this is where you were at. And but it was funny because I got to the end and you stopped annotating. And I was like, oh, she didn't finish the book. I didn't finish the book. <laughs> I never did. <laughs> uh, you missed a couple good chapters. I probably did. Oh, I should probably go back and finish it. I should complete my annotation process. Yes, I'll leave it out for you to annotate. That is a very easy telltale sign of when I dropped off of the bandwagon. It's so funny because your dad is diametrically opposed to writing in books, mm. which is funny to me because he likes John Adams and John Adams annotated his books like crazy. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> well, that's what we're told. But dad won't write anything in a book. So I, I, I stand in the balance on how much we're going to share a book and whether or not I write in it because um, he doesn't like having annotated books. And, and I would be more like you. I would like to write an, a little annotations in books. So anyway, I appreciate your annotations. And I actually c appreciate the idea of creating the circumstance in which people become creative. The reason that I especially like it is because... I, I think it is like well applicable to things outside of the arts, which is sort of the mm -hmm. point of this series was to look beyond regular creativity. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if we're going to talk about parenting, if we're going to talk about this like tackling of our mother daughter relationship past, you know, age zero to 18 range, like mm -hmm. in through adulthood. There are so many places that that feel like sticky situations that feel like I don't know where to go here. We got to sort of rewrite our own relationship in a lot of ways. And something that we talk about a lot in like the planning or vision sessions for our podcast is just like the reflections that we have with other people our age. I see so many 20-somethings that just hang up the phone. Ugh, Ma, I just had to hang up on mom because like, she just doesn't understand me. Like she's a lost cause. <laughs> and I think like moms also, you know, a rolling of their eyes or like, oh, I don't know. I just don't really hear from my kid or. Mm. And what I hear in that is like a certain level of frustration that sort of suggests that they'd like something to be different, but they just don't know what to do about it, how to get there. And and that sounds to me like some kind of circumstances have been created that makes it really difficult, feel like they have the freedom to be creative. Oh, so interesting. If, you know, like, is there a way to step back and say like, OK, instead of having to just hang up the phone, if you really do feel the call to change your circumstance here, maybe there's actually something even more foundational to the to your environment that you could change so that it doesn't feel so scary or or impossible to make a creative change to your communication. Uh, keeping with this book and flipping to page 14, I think the answer 
to creativity, short, cheerful guide, and moving past that sticky situation communication-wise, where you feel like hanging up the phone or feeling misunderstood or feeling frustrated. Those are all feelings he alludes to, John uh, John Cleese alludes to. He says, uh, when I started becoming aware of something else that was interesting and very odd too, I wrote a sketch by myself in the evening and I'd often get stuck. And I'd sit there at my little desk, crudgling my brains. Eventually, I'd give up and go to bed. And then in the morning, I'd wake up and make myself a cup of coffee and then drift over to the desk and sit at it. And almost immediately, the situation to the problem I'd been wrestling with the previous evening became quite obvious. So he goes on and puts it in bold. And he he said, give a creativity overnight. So all of that to say is I think overnight giving giving time we in our parent education classes often say children spell love t-i-m-e mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that yeah giving it time and perhaps a different location or like a, a secondary space I know we talked about this in the communication episode but the advice that you've gotten in different parts of your life about create create a new experience that you have that you can have together Mm -hmm. shared experiences are so important for connection and experiences where neither person is the expert where you really get to work together are so important and that is a lot of what John Cleese talks about so so much at the beginning of his story is this like sort of late advent of creativity in his life Mm -hmm. where he you know like went through school and like was gonna become a lawyer and then all of a sudden he just like on a whim joined this improv improv group and it was a whole group of people that looked at the world through a totally different lens and even what he talks about when he says Like the next day he would, after you sleep on it, you come back and you have a new perspective Mm -hmm. is like a, it just gives yourself a lot of second chances and second opportunities to try something. Mm -hmm. He also has a similar story about writing a sketch and then losing all of the document and Mm -hmm. having to rewrite it from from memory. Mm -hmm. And then he finds the old document and compares them and it turns out the thing from memory was way better than the thing that he originally had written and had tried to remember, which means that his subconscious memory was working on it and like connecting with it differently and ended up bettering it without him even having to like slog through and twist his own arm to get there. So I think you're right. I think that's a really beautiful solution for the like initial frustration of a roadblock in your own life, that their time is a big deal and it is not to be taken lightly. It's the mm-hmm. hard, probably the hardest thing to trust because there is no way but through, you know, mm-hmm. to find the results. But the results are actually probably far better and probably far different than you are expecting them to be. Mm-hmm. And just the uh, the different trying it again or the, the different location, the different scenario, the different platform, like you and I sort of rebuilding our relationship through a podcast. Mm-hmm. That adventure thing. What does is, what is John and Hank say? John Hank Green. Go on a quest together. Yeah. That's that's what it was. It was like an, an external an, an external piece to an internal problem. Yeah. Yeah. John Cleese calls it on page 36, this leisurely tortoise mind for all its apparent aimlessness is just as intelligent as the much faster hare brain. So I will say I really, I really like that ability probably because I don't feel too fast in very many things (laughs) so I like the freedom to be kind of slow and meandery 
And but in communication, mother daughter communication, it's it's also nice to think, okay, what is a new creative way for us to communicate? As much as there is is freedom in something being slow, I think sometimes that does also take an extra level of trust to to not be become anxious about. Mm -hmm. I know we've talked about in that beginning of young adulthood phase or early adolescent phase when it was beginning of college. We've we've talked quite a bit about how we'd have like conversation after conversation where you would it in essence you would say to me please explain yourself I, I like don't understand you anymore and I need you to help me understand who you are because I am feeling anxious about this because I don't understand you or how to connect with you and I would have to look back at you and I would like flounder because truth be told I didn't know how to explain myself or who I was the answer to both of that for us was time it mm-hmm. was a tortoise mentality and not a hare mentality where it's just you have to, I have to have enough life experience to be able to figure myself out and you have to have enough time here to differentiate from just being the, you know, close knit parent. And anyway, I think in those situations, there was some anxiety about like, we don't know what the future holds and we really just want us to stay in it together. Yeah. But that's what John Cleese is saying is that kind of thing is just as it is just as successful and sometimes more so. And it's just as intelligent as the tortoise mentality of just having all the answers and always being quippy and on the same page. Yeah. It really reminds me of Sabbath when, you know, God created the world in six days, according to the Bible. And on the seventh day, he rested. And then, but he created people on the sixth day. And then, so their first day in the world was a day of rest. And then he kind of established it as a pattern that he asked people to carry on. And he even you know, reiterated it in Exodus in the commandments in Exodus 20 saying it's really important to keep the Sabbath. And I think that that just like being together aimlessly without like a purpose, just being together is so significant in our well-being spiritually and with each other. So just you and I having time together is is really significant in our well-being, whether like and and having like the generosity to say, I don't understand all your behavior right now. I don't even know all your behavior. It seems like a lot of your behavior is in the shadows, which is OK. <laughs> That's hard for a parent of a child that just goes to college. You could also say it doesn't feel OK to me, but that's also not something I can change because it's not OK. You didn't feel it OK. No, no. It feels totally uncomfortable when you first went to college. Yeah. It, it feels disingenuous. But if we could find some things to do together time-wise. You know, this was pre really when you went to college, it was sort of pre-Zoom. I guess we had FaceTime, but we really didn't know how to utilize it. And and phone calls seem limiting, but we could have. We could have ways to stay connected a little bit more on the phone. We did, you know, have text. We didn't text a lot with each other, but some of that comes down to the fact that it takes two people in a relationship. And I don't think I was really in a place to engage with you. I think you would have been very down for that, but I was not so down for that, yes. which is part of the sometimes. I mean, that was just part of a growing pain, I think. But you're right. I mean, that that space, that time, that Sabbath is something that John Cleese talks continues to talk about in the the harebrained tortoise mind chapter. He talks about creating boundaries of space and boundaries of time mm. in order to allow for 
the unchartable territory at the beginning of a creative process. Mm -hmm. I'll read a little bit of page 59. Mm -hmm. It says, when you're trying to be creative, there's a real lack of clarity during most of the process. Our rational, analytical mind, of course, loves clarity. In fact, it worships it. (laughs) But at the start of the creative process, things cannot be clear. They are bound to be confusing. If it's a new thought, how can you possibly understand it straight away? You've never known it. You've never been there before. It feels unfamiliar. So much of our tortoise mind work takes place in an atmosphere of uncertainty and gentle confusion. It is therefore really important that you don't rush. These new notions of yours slowly become clearer and clearer. Real clarity will eventually emerge. And at that point, you will have a new idea. (laughs) I think the same could be true if you just like replace the word idea. Mm. At that point, you'll have a new relationship you know, or some semblance of. At that point, you'll have a new habit of health. At that point, you'll have a new Mm -hmm. whatever it is. You know, we've we've talked about in each of our episodes, like creating new habits around food, finding ways to engage your children in things that feel that in things that they're going to need to know the rest of their, their lives that feel mundane and easy, that those are all habits which are really important for sustainable life. Yeah. Yeah. A little later on, he goes on to say, when you ha- first have a new idea, don't get critical too soon. And this takes me to um, the program Sweeping the Nation right now. The second season of Ted Lasso just came out. <laughs> he's, he's, it's so funny. Such good writing. But he said, one thing he said, when you're having a brainstorm, don't put up your umbrella too fast because you oh, that's so cute I love it that feels like something like Winnie the Pooh would say it does it's so perfect because you like you eliminate the raindrops that could be good <laughs> mm, totally this is the kind of book and perhaps even then the kind of podcast episode to just like keep reminding yourself of this is the kind of book that I want to put like every quote on my wall so that I read it every day because I think I've mentioned this before one thing that Hank Green says about creativity is basically just that whatever you want to be creative about or whatever you want to keep being excited about in life, you have to keep feeding yourself those things so that you have new information. You can keep being creative about it. I think the same is true for other things in life, too. You know, if you we're all going to come to tricky spots in our lives, we're all going to come to places that feel like roadblocks and are really opportunities to be creative in our world. But you're going to also need to keep feeding yourself reminders that it's okay to be in the tortoise mindset. It's okay to be in the middle of your brainstorm. Mm hmm. Yeah. So that you don't feel, to stretch the metaphor, like Alice in Wonderland in her umbrella, like down the stream at the beginning of the movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. But in fact, like you can stand on the hill and say, tut, tut, it looks like rain. <laughs> it looks like a storm is coming. Yes. So later on, he gives... Uh, hints and suggestions. And of course, he says, with what most people say, start with what you know. If you're a writer, write about what you know. You and I, we were like, what should we podcast about? And we started talking about what we knew. So you talk about talked about life in New, New York and, and the theater. And I talked about being a parent and uh, light brain training and things like that. We started with what we knew, which helps our conversation be more lively, actually, because we kind of feel a little bit more passionate about it. Absolutely. I, I think that is perhaps like the balance to strike when you're in a place where you feel like you want to reconnect with someone or create some new habits or points of contact is that you have to do both. You, you have to find a new thing to engage in, but it probably needs to be in the realm of things that you do already know. Like it has to be 
an approachable amount of scary. I, I reconnected with an old friend this year and we haven't done things in common for years and years because we don't live near each other anymore and didn't make it a, a point to talk often at the beginning of our long distance relationship. But when I said, I want to reconnect with you, I thought, what is something we both know? Well, way back when we both loved novels and reading and writing. And so I said, let's start a book club. Mm. You know, it's like right in between mm-hmm. you, when, when you and dad got, had marriage counseling and they, he said, create new, new mm. things that neither of you have done together. Mm-hmm. Didn't you like go on new camping trips to new places? Oh yeah. We love going to new places. Which is like, you both love camping. That's the thing that you know, but you mm-hmm. went to a new place that both of you could tackle together. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's sort of eye-opening that it's got to sort of be both. Yes. And I, I I took a risk last night and it was late later in the evening and I asked, I wanted to go on a walk around the Rose Bowl because I live next to the Rose Bowl in Pasadena and it's, it's a three-mile loop, which I grew up in Minnesota in the Twin Cities where there is three lakes that are each about three-mile loops. They call it the Grand Rounds. And I have very fond memories of it. Just looking out over the lakes is so beautiful. And so I said, you know, expansive good views are good for our nervous system. And I didn't think that your dad would say yes, because he often is poo-poos walking around the Rose Bowl or anything. He's like, well, just as long as we don't have to walk so fast. So we got out there and he's like, hey, this is really nice. It's a little bit social, but yet we're on our own and it is expansive views and it's beautiful and it's kind of like the lakes because he was was just in Minnesota. <laughs> and so it was really nice. We had we had a really nice time doing something new and yet old, which uh, also brings me to something John Cleese said, which I love. He says, if you find the notion of borrowing like this a bit dodgy, look up a fellow called Shakespeare. So he said, if you if you don't know what to do about creativity, you can borrow something. Absolutely. And that's something that Audrey said, too, in her episode where she was like, it's a, she says when she doesn't feel any inspiration, she looks up things on Pinterest and things on YouTube and looks up a lot of like how to's, mm-hmm. how to videos. And at yeah. first it could sound like oh, someone's already done this. It's whatever. But it's just something new to uh, mm-hmm. to get you started. Yeah. Did you ever watch that movie Chef with John Favreau? All about him being a chef down in the dumps and ha- learning how to be a good dad and a chef at the same time. But his whole like thing that he keeps telling his son is that to create the best dinners, you just go to the fresh market and you let the food speak to you. (laughs) But really what that is, is him being like, okay, I'm going to go like get inspiration from the, from something that I know a lot about. Like there's no, there's nothing new about looking at the pile of tomatoes and eggplants, but on today when the tomatoes happen to be next to whatever other dish, like whatever other food, it's going to start to give me inspiration. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's okay. It'll not totally be new. Do you remember the book by Tommy DePaola, The Art Lesson? Yeah. And he got so offended when his teacher said copy and he said, copy, copy. Um, that's right. <laughs> and she's like, okay, let me negotiate with you. If you copy this, I will give you an extra sheet of paper and you can do your own. So there it is uh, in John Cleese's The Perfect Blend of using something old and taking the imaginative leap to do something new. Yeah, which again, just to keep expanding it past creativity, it's not like we were the first people to do a podcast. Mm -hmm. I think there's probably people that are concerned about that even when it comes to like therapy or something like, well, we tried it once or that's not for us or like everyone does that. It's just cliche at this point. Like 
Mm. I mean, I don't know. Cliche things are cliche because they were successful enough for everyone to know about them and try them. And yeah, near the very end of the book, John Cleese gives like little suggestions, uh, like one sentence pieces of advice, like keep going and what it's like to cope with setbacks and et cetera. Mm-hmm. He talked about having, taking a second opinion at the end, which I think is sort of in line with this, like, you don't have to do it alone and you don't have to start from scratch or, like, reinvent the wheel mm. just to be creative. Mm-hmm. Page 102, he said he's talking about seeking a second opinion. He says, as to when to seek a second opinion, my view is that you should do so when you've reached a point of sufficient clarity for someone else's judgment to be of practical help. Okay, this is really interesting if you're going to, we're going to, like, tell stories about our lives. Because mm-hmm. at the beginning of, from my perspective, at the beginning of my college career or the end of my high school time, I think that there was a lot of sort of anxiety about like how we should still connect and what to do with me and your parenting. And you did a lot of seeking input from like lots of different people. Mm -hmm. And I've heard you talk before about how that kind of advice was really helpful, but also like a little overwhelming because there was like a lot of cooks in the kitchen then and a lot of opinions about your daughter. Yeah. And I think it's possible that like that was just sort of too soon in the tortoise mindset plan to be able to be clear enough about what you needed to gain to gain a successful help. Do you think that's true? Maybe? I'll keep reading as you think about it. He says, my view is that you should you should ask for help or seek a second opinion when you've reached a point of sufficient clarity for someone else's judgment to be of practical help. Don't wait until you feel like your idea is of, or project is as good as possible because you may waste a lot of time if you ask for feedback too late. If I'm writing a speech, I'll ask for four or five individuals what they think of my first draft. That way, I immediately find out what grabs people and what doesn't. My second draft might be as much as 50% better or different, 50% different. I show the second draft to two or three new readers to get a fresh view. Mm. And this iteration process goes on until I'm satisfied with the responses I am receiving. Sometimes I send the final draft to those who looked at it the very first time around. Almost inevitably, they will say with some surprise, oh, it's so much better. I wonder why. (laughs) It is true. Uh, Yeah, it's a little bit of a delicate balance on when to receive input. It is helpful if like for me, it's helpful if I have a little bit of confidence in my point of view. Otherwise, I feel a little flattened. Otherwise, I'm not very able to receive critique because I'm holding it too closely. He he does do, he does remind us about killing your darlings, which is a common thing. I think that phrase came from William Faulkner about the importance of, of being able to let go of your first idea. But if it's such a fresh idea, it's hard hard to let go of so which I think is where he's saying like you got to be in such like part of the process where you have enough of the idea or the direction that you know how to name it and you know you're not just going to be totally blown by the wind so that it's like outside of yourself enough to take input and change or kill that darling Mm -hmm. versus it being so new that you're like I'm still nervously on this fence and I could fall off at any time and then someone blows you over which is actually one of the benefits of writing it down whether it's a communication plan with your parent-child relationship or with your partner, your spouse. It has helped me if I write it down because I get it outside of myself and I can see it. And even right there, it's a draft. And then I look at it and I go, oh, actually, now that I got it out of my system, I don't really want to say that or I just want one sentence of what I said. <laughs> that, yeah. that has helped in 
more tricky, sticky communication with you and your sisters over the years as you went to college when I felt like I was upset about something or had a question about something. If I wrote it down in the notes part of my phone (laughs) before sending it as a text, I often could like reread it and go, oh, okay, actually, I don't really need to say all of that. I could say something else. So yeah, journaling, journaling. I mean, I love journaling, as we know. And that is similar to we've talked about that in communication when you can say to someone, I have a first draft. Can I say this first draft to you? And then we can talk about it or come back later or whatever. We circle back. Sometimes those first drafts are just for you and they're still helpful. Well, thank you, John Cleese, for this book. And I've really enjoyed this whole series. I've learned a lot. Mm -hmm. It's been fun. Fun bringing other people in and and looking at creativity and different angles. It's very been very hope filled. So excellent. Thanks, Mom. Thanks for the conversation, Ingrid. (laughs) Okay, have a good week. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hi Mom, Let's Talk. If you liked hanging out with us, please rate and review us on iTunes. We'd love to hear your feedback and your support. You can find more relationship tools on our website, HiMomPodcast.com. If you'd like to suggest a topic or share your own story, you can DM us on Instagram at HiMomPodcast or write us through our website. Special thanks to Sienna Ryder for editing our podcast. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon.